Blog Talk Radio. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense. Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you today. God bless you, and welcome to our Tuesday morning live radio broadcast from Northwest Arkansas. Today, we will be interviewing Jason, and we'll allow Jason to describe himself, what his ministry is all about. Uh, We have had the opportunity to have met him and his family and friends while we were in Washington, D.C., and I believe he has something very critical to share with our listeners today. So when Jason is ready to come on into the broadcast, we'll make sure to bring him in. But I want to begin today's radio broadcast with some scripture coming out of Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21, verse 7 says, And they asked him, saying, Master, but when shall these things be, and what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass? And he said, Take heed that you be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draws near. Go ye not therefore after them. But when you shall hear of wars and commotions, Be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Now, that word there, commotions, I found it to be very interesting. The word commotions is a Greek word, and it's a long one. It's akatastasia, or akatastia, and it literally means instability, disorder, confusion, and tumult. 
So when you stop and think about the times we're living in right now, what do you think? I mean, these are confusing times. Jesus said earlier that there'd be a lot of deception, and there is a lot of deception. And we're going to talk about that deception today, no doubt about it. So what is the deception? Well, let me just give you a, a simple <clears throat> diagnosis of the deception that's taking place in our society right now. And this is a very simple one, all right? Anybody that is looking through a biblical lens, has any light within them whatsoever, can figure this out pretty easily. Uh, it is great deception that you're hearing right now on the internet, the radio, the television. All of a sudden, Wednesday, January 6th, was the most brutal day in the history of the United States of America that there were rioters, that there were people that had disgraced the American uh, institution of democracy and the republic came under attack and uh, the constitution was sullied, et cetera, et cetera. You're hearing that everywhere, that January 6th, Wednesday, it was an evil day in America, a very bad day. And, the, and they just continue to tell you how evil that day was and how wicked that day was. And Newsmax and Fox News and CNN and all of them are bringing on their talking heads, talking about how bad it was. It was so bad. And the president needs to tell that how bad it was. And they go on and on and on about how bad it was. But here's the crazy, insane reality, which you've been hearing about by many people, but I want to tie it into a biblical reality, is that for nine months, the United States of America has witnessed a continual burning, okay, and I don't know why our uh, blog talk radio uh, call-in is not seemingly working right now. I'm not sure what that's all about. Hopefully, um, we'll find out why. I'm waiting for a phone call, and I'm noticing that the people that were in there are now shut down. So, I'm not sure what's going on. Maybe I need to redress that. I will certainly do so. And uh, we are broadcasting 818-369-0326. So we should be okay there. And um, so the deception is for nine months, as you've heard. We witnessed the takeover of Portland. We've witnessed Seattle, Washington, occupying particular positions of power. We watched Long Beach, California, we saw New York City. We saw what was going down in Texas. We witnessed what was going on in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, we wit uh, uh, Minnesota. We've seen what happened in Washington, D.C. with the church being burnt on fire. We saw protests. We saw tear gas. We saw uh, police buildings being invaded. We saw millions of people lose their businesses, uh, boarded up windows, violence on every side. For nine months, we saw people in, in, in camps, entrenchment camps in different parts of the nation, uh, defecating, uh, urinating in the open public, graffiti, fires, people shot, people being killed. And so all this was going on for nine months. Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and all the rest of them were viewing it. And they were saying, well, this is just people venting their hostilities about the injustice of George Floyd. He, George Floyd was the, uh, the match that lit the fire, so to speak. And people were saying, well, you got to let the people vent. You got to let the people be angry. 
And so they allowed it. They sat back. The people like Cuomo were quoted as saying, you can't expect a protest to be pretty. Um, you know, when, when people were saying, what about all the anarchy? What about the civil disobedience? What about the breaking of the law of busting windows and setting buildings on fire? Well, just told the police, stand down, stand back. Now, the, it, the deception is comparing nine months of what this nation just sufferably went through to one day of a few people going into the Capitol, standing up as frustrated as people were for the BLM and Antifa movements, whatever they were frustrated about. There were people that were frustrated that went to a place to meet with their president. Their president told them to gather together in Washington, D.C., to hear a message, to rally and show solidarity. And a few people <clears throat> breached the Congress, and they went into the Congress building. And, but there was not one fire. There was not one shot fired. There weren't roving gangs beating each other up. There was none of that. All the concentration went to the Capitol building, which in and of itself was a grave deception. It was a pre-plotted show because I was there and I saw when they wanted to disperse the crowds, all they did was have their flash bombs of tear gas. They lit them off and the scattering happened, but it only happened after hours of the world seeing these angry mob protesters, these thugs, these really bad MAGA people, these patriots, these uh, followers of Donald Trump, hours in the Capitol building. They showed it, showed it, showed it to see how horrible they were. When in reality, there were a couple of hundred people, maybe, that were actually involved emotionally, or they too, like the people that were angry for nine months, that were venting, were also venting. And so, but when they wanted the crowd dispersed, remember what I told you the other day, one man came out of that attempt to try to breach into the Capitol building, and he went like this, and he said, go around. One man dispersed that entire crowd, and then the police began to put the tear gas, and everybody fled. They wanted that scene so they can manipulate the narrative. To that, there is no doubt. Now, you know this, and I know this. And when you compare Wednesday, January 6th, to nine months of the devastation that took place in our country, and you weigh it, and they're trying to exploit this day as an evil day, you know that's deceptive, you know that's corrupt, you know that's evil, and so it is. And so the deception that Jesus talked about is very real, very, very real, and that deception is what Jesus said would be. But he also said, here's how you're going to know what time it is. You're going to see the instability. You're going to hear of the wars and the commotions. You're going to sense the disorder. And ladies and gentlemen, we are there right now, but it's more confusing than that. It is more disordered. It is more tumultuous than just this deception that is being politically harnessed by the left, by the globalists. Okay, this is their moment to shut down the president from being on Twitter, shutting down the conservatives on their YouTube channels, et cetera, et cetera. You're watching it, you're hearing it, but that's not the biggest problem. That is not the biggest problem we are facing right now. There's another problem. 
There's a real serious issue in our nation, in our country. And if and we claim to be woke, we claim to be awake, we claim to have the light. And there's this mantra that's going on about, you know, well, I want to preserve some thoughts here for just a moment. But there's a continual mantra, and there are people that are standing up. But I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you an honest question as we're waiting for Jason to call into the broadcast today, which is going to be a great interview. I know that's true. So the question I have is it possible, is it possible that God is about to deal with pride and ego in his church? Is God about to deal with people in the prophetic ministry who are now rallying all their followers to employ their faith Are they doing it because of the prophetic word or are they doing it because of their reputation, because of their position, because of their influence among the millions, because of their wealthy position? Are the modern day prophets who have prophesied a two term presidency for Donald J. Trump, are they employing the faith of millions of followers just like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are rallying the people to protect their positions of power. Are we dealing with ego? Is it possible that some of the prophetic voices that are out there are wanting to protect themselves from being found wrong for, for, for having said something that wasn't true? And would they have the gall to employ godly people's faith who have been following them and employ their energy and faith to believe something that's not really true. It's just simply trying to save face so they don't lose their position, their reputation, their power, their influence over people's lives or in people's lives. We're going to find out very soon. But, you know, years of true prophets of God have decried the false prophets of peace and safety. You know that. The true prophetic mantle that some people heard during this generation of licentiousness and of cosmetic Christianity and man's admiration and man-pleasing spirits, a few prophetic voices began to rise and to decry and to debunk the idea of peace and safety and prosperity and all these different things that people were being deceived and the wool was being pulled over their eyes as they were told to live their best life now and to get in on all the wealth and the materialism and the success and to live carnal, mediocre lives, but make sure that you were, it was all okay and greasy grace and sloppy agape. And again, I'm just asking a question. Was there not another prophetic sound in our generation that was warning the Christian people, the Christian ecclesia, the Christian church, about following the false prophets, which the Bible clearly defines as those who preach peace and safety when a nation is in spiritual and moral decline? Well, the answer is loudly yes. And is it possible further that what's about to happen in this country is going to be millions of people that have followed the rhetoric 
of a false prophetic anointing, a false prophetic unction of people for years who told everybody nothing bad would ever happen to America. Well, I got news for you. Some bad stuff is happening in America already if you've been awake for the last nine months, but the worst is yet to come. And the blow, the thing that's going to take the wind out of the sails of millions is when the prophecies of a two-term presidency are failed. Okay? That would be a blow. Do you agree? That millions of people would have to question the thousands of prophetic voices that continually say Donald J. Trump will be the president. My question is, are they wanting Donald J. Trump to be the president right now in his second term? Here's what they're going to do. If Donald J. Trump does not win this election and he concedes and Joe Biden comes to power, they're going to justify themselves by saying, well, the two-term presidency will happen in 2024. Donald Trump will run in 2024. He will win the election, and thus our prophecies are real. That's what they're going to tell you, because people don't know how to admit that they missed it, and right now they don't believe they have. But for what reason? Well, time is going to tell, because here's what I believe the Lord is saying in this hour in which we live. And the word is in Ezekiel chapter 9. Here's what you can basically expect to happen in the days that lie ahead. Ezekiel 9, he cried also in my ears with a loud voice, saying, Cause them that have charge over the city to draw near. Even every man with his destroying weapon in his hand. And behold, six men came from the way of the higher gate, which lies toward the north, every man a slaughter weapon in his hand. And one man among them was clothed with linen, with a rider's inkhorn by his side, and they went in and stood beside the brazen altar. So, in Ezekiel chapter 9, which deeply resembles Revelation chapter 7, okay, you could read it and see the same kind of scenario here. You have a call by God to bring the men with their slaughtering weapons into the city of Jerusalem. Today, that would be likened to going to Washington, D.C. in a Judeo-Christian nation, the capital city of the nation, if you will. So these men are being called by God. And then it says in verse 3, and, that the, and, and the glory of God of Israel was gone up from the cherub, whereupon he was, to the threshold of the house, he called to the man clothed with linen, which had the writer's inkhorn by his side. The Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. Would you agree that there are abominations that have been committed in the land of Washington, D.C., in the city of Washington, D.C.? I think you would. And to the others, so he has this rider with the inkhorn, and this is where Revelation 7 has the same exact scenario, going through and marking people who sigh and cry for the abominations. In other words, they're like Lot living in Sodom and Gomorrah. They just, they hate it. They're disturbed by the corruption that is there. 
And then to the others in verse 5, he said in my hearing, go ye after him, after the one that was putting the mark, through the city and smite. Let not your eyes spare, neither have pity. Slay utterly old and young, both maids and little children and women. But come not near any man upon whom is the mark, and begin at my sanctuary. Then they began at the ancient men which were before the house, and he said unto them, this would be your senators, your congress, your judiciary, and he said to the people, defile the house. Listen, he told the God-ordained six men, to defile the house. We've heard in the news media that Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, oh, you've defiled uh, the seat of power. You've defiled it. These horrible Trump supporters, these horrible rioters, these horrible people, they defiled the seat of our power. Okay? But God tells the slaughtering weapon six men, who carry their weapon, defile the house, fill the courts with the slain, go forth, and they went forth, and they slew in the city. Do you know that there are 50 armed protests that are prepared for January 20th? Fox News came out with it. 50 armed protests are planned for January 20th. And who is planning them? I believe that God is calling forth the six men with their slaughtering weapons to go and defile the house, those sacred temples, wherein the most corrupt people on the face of the earth dwell, The Trump supporters are not the corrupt deplorables. The Trump supporters, the patriots, the militia, the men, women, and children that are standing in solidarity with their president, wanting to uphold righteousness in the land, are not the evil. The evil ones are occupying positions of power, and God is calling forth a revolution against those houses of hypocrisy. Could you fathom such a thing? Could you believe that God would actually call forth weapons of war into the city to bring a riot throughout the city and begin to kill? And to start with the ancient men, those senators, those congresspeople, those people occupying positions of power? Well, listen, it's happened before in the word of God. It's going to happen again in the book of Revelation, and we're living at a moment right now where you have these prophets out there telling everybody to employ their faith to believe that Donald Trump's going to be the president, and it's going to slow everything down. But what is God doing? Well, number one, he's going to deal with his house, his own house, the church, the ecclesia. Because God is more interested in his ecclesia, 
as an institution of power, if you want to put it in those terms. He's more interested with his own church than he is with American politics. And God says that judgment begins in his house. And for a generation, the false prophets who have prophesied peace and safety and prosperity and luxury and wealthy living and not called the people to pure repentance and holiness, not in a legalistic religious way, but in a very spiritual way to call forth the church to be the salt and light, which is now being trampled underfoot because there is no real salt and there is no real light any longer coming through the ecclesia. All you have is paid motivational speakers, false prophets speaking lies in the name of the Lord, and their lie is always, according to Scripture, peace and safety. Okay? They're trying to protect themselves right now to save face. They're going to wait to the very end to protect what they said when God never sent them, when God never said it. What God was saying to this blasphemous generation is repent or perish that you're going to have collapse. You're going to have major problems. But these men never said it. These women never said it. And they still act as authoritarians. They are acting like Nancy Pelosi. They are acting like Chuck Schumer, these false prophetic mantles who became rich by fleecing the flock and telling men what they wanted to hear, but never calling the nation to repentance. And so it's been a very satanic false light that has been spewed in the house of the Lord. So God is going to deal with that, but he's also going to deal with the governmental aspect of corruption within our nation as well. And we are days away from seeing the powder keg blow in the United States of America. The United States of America said the true prophets of God, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and all the other prophets in Scripture, were living today and walking through this Judeo-Christian nation. You know and I know their words would have been true. They spoke, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, against the multitudes of false prophets. If Elijah were here today, he'd have to deal with the 850 false prophets of Jezebel. Jeremiah had to deal with all the false prophets who were saying peace and safety. Ezekiel, Isaiah, all of them the same way. And yet the majority of Christians today have partaken of the idea that we could live in this beautiful America, live carnal lives, no need for real repentance, brokenness, carry your cross, turn away from all sin, go against the flow, touch not the unclean thing, but yet we could have our cake and eat it too, and never have any responsibility or accountability for the way that we live. And we have known that this is a problem, but when the true words of God came, they called those true prophets gloomers and doomers. They called them negative. They tried to find fault with them where there was mistakes made or errors made. They tried to exploit their errors and mistakes like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and the rest of them are trying to exploit January 6th as the most evil day in American history. Do you really believe that? Folks, the true word of God to America for its blasphemy, for its 90 million babies' blood that was shed, for the homosexuality perversion, for the LGBTQ community, all of these events 
while people were saying peace and safety, now we're being brought to the brink of destruction. And it's going to be a bloody clash out of the ashes of America's brokenness is going to rise a one-world government. Out of the ashes of this debacle that is at the door right now, no Donald Trump coming to power, people in 50 states ready to go to war, armed protests out of the collapse of the United States. Why? Because it's judgment. A house divided can not stand. America is divided. It will collapse according to the words of Jesus. Or we're going to say that Jesus didn't really know what he was talking about. But he said, a house divided cannot stand. You are living in the realm of a nation that is divided, and it's divided because of judgment, because of its sins, because of its corruption, because of its immorality, because of its unrighteousness. And if you don't see things from a spiritual, biblical perspective, you really cannot navigate. And the true prophets of God have been telling this nation, politics isn't going to save America. Everything is set right now, and God is allowing it to bring cleansing to his church and to this nation. Now, those who will be cleansed and washed deeply are going to awaken to the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth in a global one-world government that is going to bring in all the different aspects of a seven-year peace treaty. There's going to be war in the Middle East. There's going to be World War III. Things are going to break out on a massive level. There's going to be population reduction, famine in the land, more pestilence, and an evil empire is going to rise according to the word of God. The prince, the man of sin, the son of perdition, is going to come to power and is going to take his place in the temple of God Almighty, declaring himself to be God, etc., etc. There's a lot to unpack in the word of God, isn't there? But we're talking about this moment in America. Have you understood that what we're in, what we're talking about, is all judgment? It's all judgment. This is where we are. The war, it is going to be fought. The revolution the Civil War, it is going to be fought. You can't escape that. The house is going to fall because a divided house cannot stand. Those are the words of Jesus Christ. I trust him more than any man, woman, or person that has a mouth to speak. I trust the word of God. Do you? Now, if you know and you have been listening and you have been warned about this moment, and you were told to prepare for this moment, my question is, have you, or have you been on pause, or have you allowed yourself to be distracted from preparing because the voices of these prophets have been telling you everything is still going to be okay? No trouble will come to America. Donald Trump will win a two-term presidency. I don't even know if they even care if he becomes the president, and for what purpose he would be the president. I think they only care about being right because they don't want to lose face with the people because it could be very embarrassing. 
oh, the climate in America is about to change. It's going to be brutal. It's going to be a tough day, but it is prophesied. It is prophesied. I'm looking for Jason to give us a call here today. So, Jason, if you are out there and you are listening, this would be a great time for you to call in. Let me make sure everything's working on your end, and we will continue in the broadcast. Let's see where we are. All right, so we haven't heard from Jason yet. We want to hear from him because Jason is a gentleman that we met in Washington, D.C., was connected to a lot of other really awesome men, and they were observing what was happening in Washington, D.C. They were there. They go to political rallies all over the country, and uh, they speak with great articulation and have an ability to diagnose what's going on in our country. And so for that reason, I invited Jason to join us. Now, I don't know if he's going to be able to do so or not. We had scheduled for today. We'll wait and see. Maybe things are getting too intense out there. Only God knows. But I want to say good morning. That was my opening, what would they call a monologue? Now, you may say to me, oh, where's your faith? Where's your faith? I'll tell you where my faith is. My faith is in the word of God, what the prophets of God in scripture said. Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Elijah, and all the rest. Amos, Micah. I'm putting my stock, if we're going to deal with prophets, in the prophets that would have walked through our nation for a generation. If they had lived at this time as prophets in the church, this is what they would have said. They would not have said peace and safety. They would have lamented over the spiritual condition of the church today. Okay? So you may disagree with me completely. But I believe that God set me on the watchman's wall a long time ago to declare what I see. I have not reserved what I see. And I'm not going to reserve now. Now, let me just bring a little balance to what I'm saying. I have a hope. It's okay to hope, right? I mean, some people hope to win the lottery. Some people hope that the Iraqi dinar are going to revalue. Some people hope that, you know, they're, they're different things for, for many different things. There's nothing wrong with hope. I hope today the president of the United States of America from Alamo, Texas, is going to stand and say to the American people, I have declared martial law. I have declared the Insurrection Act. I have tried and was willing to sit down. I was going to just allow Joe Biden to come to power. But all this evidence pouring in from around the world of foreign interference and domestic interference and all this corruption and defilement, I, I, am, I, I see it for what it is. I cannot, as a president, go away, close my eyes, and have a clear conscience. I have been fighting against this dragon, against this Jezebel, against this swamp monster deep state corruption for four years, and I'm not going to sit down now knowing that there's been a rigged election. So therefore, the president says today, I am now suspending the election. There will be no inauguration. That is not going to be right until every court in our land has heard the evidence, which most all the courts rejected to hear. They just said, well, there's not enough evidence. No, they're going to hear it. And when they hear it, now I have that hope. I'm standing with hope that that will 
say to me, Vincent Xavier, Vincent, you were wrong. I'm good with that. I'm, not, I'm still the word of God is the word of God to me. I'm good with the word. And if God wants to do that today and all of a sudden God proves that what the people were saying about a second term, that they were right, then we will say they were not false prophets, that they were right. They got it right. Hallelujah. And if Donald J. Trump becomes the president of the United States, which I hope he does or remains the president, that he's going to now have to lead the revolution against the left and the globalists that are going to go to war because they're going to be angry about his coming to a seat of power, and they're going to cry out that he broke the Constitution, et cetera, et cetera. So regardless, there's war. But which way is it going to go? I'm sticking with the word of God in my knower, in my spirit, which is non-emotional, has nothing to do with hope. It's a knowing what the word of God says. Now, Vincent Xavier has hope to stand and see what people are saying. I voted for Donald J. Trump. I want him to win. And if there was a fraudulent rigged election, then it would be unjust for it to just go ahead because the deception would be complete. So I have a hope that it all turns around. I'm good with that. I'm not divided. I'm not double-minded. I have a knower. I know what the word of God says, but I have hope. It's called hope for the best, prepare for the worst. I'm totally good with that. How do you feel about it? What are your thoughts? I'd love to hear. Again, the number to call eight. 18- one eight three six nine zero three two six. Let me just send another text message out there today, and we'll see if this is going to work. Are you there? And who knows? Maybe Jason, uh, with all that's going on in this country, uh, they had a security force in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And what was their security force for? It was to protect the citizens of Wisconsin from Antifa and BLM, violent agitators. You know, again, what we're hearing, oops, I never sent that. All right, so let's just see. How do you compare January 6th, Wednesday, January 6th, how do you compare that to the last nine months? Let's say good morning to a few people that are with us on the chat channel right now. I want to say good morning to David Ellison, Melissa Fletcher, Dean Smith, Sharon Evans, uh, who just asked the question, do you believe martial law will be declared? I hope it is. I really hope it is. We'll see how hope and knowing collide here or actually will complement one another. Phil Buswell, good morning. Cindy uh, Messman, good morning. Callie, good morning. Donna Fraser, good morning. Um, now, David Ellison is saying, and good morning to all of you, by the way. Thank you for joining and listening. And I want to hear from you. I, you know, I'm not here to dominate your thinking. I'm here to tell you what I see, what I feel, what I know, what I think. I'm telling you from a biblical perspective, I don't want to give opinions. I, it's legal for me to have a hope, but it's also a knowing when I read the Bible what I see through a biblical lens. But I want to hear from you. David Ellison says, heard today that something is going down in D.C. January 16th or 17th. There's a lot going down everywhere every day between now and the 20th. I believe that. 
Clarence Ellis, my dear friend, he's watching. Good morning to you, sir. Dennis Sussman, not even one day, just maybe an hour. I'm not, I have to remember what he am referencing here. But good morning to Denny and Sally. Um, Wendy Bredesen says, good morning, Pastor, and everyone here. We see what is going on. I'm in Canada. I have been following along and see the devastation and anarchy. The leadership is terrible here, too. The media lies and deceptions are abundant. Scriptural truth, Jeremiah 22:17. but your eyes and your heart are intent only upon your own dishonest gain and on shedding innocent blood and on practicing oppression and extortion. Great scripture. Again, the prophet Jeremiah speaks. Wendy also says, be alert, be sober-minded. We must stay very close to our shepherd and hide under his wings. God bless and lead us all. Amen to that. She also said, yes, pastor, I agree. False prophets, many wolves in sheep's clothing, Follow the Holy Spirit, wisdom, and guidance only. Amen. Laquita says, good morning. Michelle Brown is speaking into this, talking about truth. Michelle saying there's a long list of false prophets. And then Vig Lira, good morning to Vig Lira. Diana Langford agrees. Good morning, Diana. Kathy Bruns, get ready. Daniel 7, 25 is ready to take place very soon. God's kingdom is going to be set. The king who is Jesus, is coming back for his bride, going into the millennial reign. I believe that's going to happen after the three-and-a-half-year Great Tribulation, no doubt about it. Adam Lindquist says, good summary. Thank you, Adam. Doing our best. Amen. Sarah Anchorman, good morning to Sarah. God bless you. Bonnie Boyer, amen. Good morning, Bonnie. Sebastian, good morning from Chicago. Sarah says, why would martial law be a good thing? That's never a good thing. Well, in this case, martial law would be good, if it allows Donald Trump to maintain his position of power as the president of the United States, as we have been told. So Adam Linker says, you're looking sharp, Vincent. Well, thank you, Adam. I appreciate that. Wanted to look good for our interview with Jason today. Sarah also says, Senate meeting talking about civilians controlling military. Let's say it again. Senate meeting talking about civilians controlling military. Well, praise God. You know, the greatest army in America is the people. We, the people of the United States of America. So Sebastian says Pelosi wants to take control of the military. There is Jezebel. There's a big Jezebelian spirit, but my God, that woman is something else. Bonnie Boyer, just talked to some friends in Canada, and they are totally locked down while their leaders are out having a good time, getting very tired and want President Trump to come to Canada. Ha ha. So Sarah Anchorman, it's on Breitbart. All right, so whatever's going on in Breitbart. Um, I've got a few calls coming in, but again, I am waiting particularly for our dear friend, Jason, to give us a call on the broadcast. We want to hear from more of you. And remember, if you have an articulation of this moment, a spiritual intelligence to speak into this moment, it's good on the chat room, but there's nothing like hearing your voice. The number to call, write it down, 818 818- Three six nine zero three two six. Let me say it again, and I'll actually even put it on the screen for you if you're out there. You could dial 818-369-0326. And let me just put this out there as well. You always have to press one on your dial pad. So if we were to kind of gather together what we've been saying here so far today, what is it? Revolution, civil war, a bloody battle in the collapse of a house divided 
Corruption, deception, the greatest deception and corruption is now in the positions of power. The only reason why they're disturbed is because their seat of power has now been trespassed. They didn't care about all the other people whose businesses were destroyed in the last nine months. They need to be dealt with. No matter what happens in the, in the political election, the people that are occupying positions of power that are so disgraceful to morality, to normalcy, to righteousness, they need to be dealt with. There's no doubt the plague in America will not cease. It will not stop until Phineas rises up with his spear, until Josiah rips his clothes and goes through the nation and shuts down the altars of blasphemy, until Jehu rides into town and calls for Jezebel to be thrust to the ground and the dogs eat her flesh, until Elijah deals with the false prophets that were in the land, Jezebel's false prophets. The plague will not stop, folks. It has to be dealt with. The worst thing that could happen in the United States of America right now is Joe Biden comes to power on January 20th, and everybody stands down to keep the normalcy, to keep the peace, to keep the democracy. And for four years, everybody goes back to work, and the left comes to power, mandatory masks, greater delusion, lockdowns, the installation of deeper LGBTQ community legislation, more silence on the conservative right, the persecution would begin like you never know. So either we stand in the gap in this moment, spiritually, physically, emotionally, solically, or we capitulate and bow. It's the worst thing that could happen in this country right now. Got a number of calls coming in. I'm going to take our first call that came in today coming in from area code 479321. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Okay, we're going to have to hold on on that call just for a moment. Let's take our next call, area code 219. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Good morning, Pastor Vince. Brother Don, God bless you, sir. How are you today? I'm fine. And yourself? I'm very good. Let's talk. Oh, I just... uh... I just wanted to comment about martial law. Okay. Can you hear me? We're breaking up here. I think something's interfering with our transmission. There is. It's still breaking up. I better call back in. Okay. Please. We'll wait for your call. Wait, Wait a minute. Try it now call back in, okay? Well, 
Yeah, it's still going. Go for it. Let, let's talk. It's still spinning for us. Okay, we're, we're okay now. <laughs> I want to comment about martial law. Martial law is a suspension of the Constitution. And whoever's in control, they're going to be calling all the shots. Now, if they suspend the Constitution, that means that your house can be raided into without a warrant. They can stop you without a warrant, without probable cause. In other words, you're living in Nazi Germany. That's the problem with martial law, whoever enacts it. So um, an insurrection act is martial law. It's just a question of where they want to apply it. And we're assuming it's going to be implied in uh, nine states or the states that stole the election and all that. But that's not necessarily true. They're going to put it wherever they want to put it. Uh, When the war starts here, well, it's already started. The first shot of that war, the second American Revolution, was fired uh, on the 6th of this month uh, when the Capitol building was sacked in Washington, D.C., And personally, I say justifiably so. But at the end of the day, I mean, these people that uh, raided into that Capitol for nine months, they've been kicked, they've been insulted, they've been called racist. They watch cities burn with uh, impunity. They watch a communist takeover of their country. Uh, That's just for openers. This has been going on for years. Their educational system has been compromised. There's homosexuals running all over the place. Every evil thing is occurring in this country. People that did that, uh, yeah, most of them are white. Uh, well, most of them, were the, that's who was being picked on. Uh, it's like they were shoved aside. They were kicked. It's like if you take a raccoon, and normally he won't bite you. He'll just run away from you. But you put him in the corner and where he's trapped, and start kicking at them, uh, you're going to see a really mean animal. And that's all that really happened there. It was inevitable. And personally, I think it was set up to occur. And I, I think that, uh, I think Donald Trump, uh, he wanted that to happen. Uh, you know, it's kind of like, uh, uh, it's kind of like when uh, Roosevelt allowed uh, Pearl Harbor to happen. And don't get me wrong, this is nothing like that. But his own uh, butler or valet, uh, he went public and he says, uh, yeah, uh, the only thing he was shocked about is the massive death. He didn't expect all those seamen to be killed, thousands of them. That's the only thing he regretted. Now, did he anticipate that? I don't think so. I think he was hoping that those planes would get shot at. All he wanted was the attack. As far as uh, President Trump, I think he wanted this to happen. Uh, I think he, he set it up to happen. He said, be in Washington and be wild. Well, <laughs> you know, like I say, you're talking about the people that were very angry. Even the lawmakers that they made contact with inside there, they said those people were very angry. Yeah, it was an angry mob, and justifiably so. Uh, It couldn't have ended any other way. Now, the next thing they're going to do, 
they're going to use this bloodshed that's going to occur this, this uh, month, and they're going to use that to seize guns. You can see the plan already in effect. And these guys are the big gun grabbers here. And they have to do this because they're communist masters, the red Chinese, who bought them coming in to take ownership. And they don't want to fight the American people. So they want the American people disarmed as much as they can. Get them disarmed. Uh, My understanding, they got a quarter million Chinese troops ready to come in here. They were already offered. And we know that they're in Canada, and we know that that they're down south of the border. No telling what's in the Grand Bahamas. That's the big Chinese container port out there. 600 Costco ships are in and out all the time. So based on all of this, uh, it's it's basically uh, it's basically the end of the United States. If Donald Trump uses the Insurrection Act to lock these people up where they belong, uh, they've committed ex- high treason, hundreds of them, maybe thousands of them, because they took all that Chinese money. The Chinese, when they buy you. After they buy you, there's no saying no anymore. You're going to deliver or you're going to die. And that's the way they roll. So these people in Washington, in that that state house, they're directly responsible for what happened to them or for what happened to the Capitol because the enemies of the United States were in that building. They're the ones in control. They're the ones that allowed all this this th- thing to go on for nine months. They allowed this coronavirus in here. They got you in mass. They they did everything possible they could to anger the American people in order for this to happen because they want it to happen, because they want to disarm the American people. That's their big problem right now. It always has been. After they disarm you, as all communists do, then they're going to come in and murder you for what you believe because you don't believe like them. And that's all that's going on here. Now, Donald Trump, can he stop it? Yes. Will he stop it? Or is he a part of it? If he does nothing then the American people got played big time in order to get them to the point that they are now. The new world order model is out of chaos comes order. And that's all that's going on here. Can it be stopped? I don't think so because the American, the country of the United States is under God's judgment because the they have decided to become through either action or inaction they have decided to become the enemies of God and it's just that simple fleshly in the flesh the only way this can end is in blood unless the American people repent of their collective sins I don't see that happening. I hardly see any talk of that happening. Just save the 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 present order of things so that we can continue the 
way of life we've always liked, uh, regardless of how people will suffer and all of those things. So, Don, I wanted to ask you this. The idea of incitement to violence, the incitement to violence for, for nine months, the politicians across the country incited violence by letting the people do what they did. Let them express themselves. It's not a pretty thing to have a protest. They incited violence on the left over and over and over again, nine months. They incited it. Now, the twist is that Donald Trump incited violence, that this broadcast sounds like inciting violence. No, what we're doing, I know what I'm doing, is allowing God's word to reveal what shall be violence. In the days of Noah, Jesus said it would be like that in the last days. What was the one thing that really stood out in the days of Noah? The earth was covered with violence. Violence is rising as an end-time reality to God's people. So the question is, Don, I want to ask this. How do people then live knowing that 50, but I do want to ask you this as well, 50 States are calling for armed protests. We're, now, Fox News had that out there. They're reporting that even this morning. Uh, your intel tells you what about the 50 states? Because you talked about this the last time you were on the air with me. Well, it's going to come down to that. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the momentum that's been garnered now is going to be expressed. It's going to be expressed because the people feel powerless. What were they yelling in Washington, D.C.? We the people, we the people. They believe that. By the thousands, by the hundreds of thousands, they're yelling that. We the people. They believe that they're free. And the more they realize they're not free and they're getting played by communist insurgents that are taking over their country, the more they realize that, the angrier they're going to get. And it's simply because they believe themselves to be free. They're Americans. This is what Americans do. They fight. Uh, Now, is that wrong? Well, it can be. In this particular case, I don't think it is. I think they're just being what they need to be because they want to be free, just like their ancestors. And they've been told a bunch of lies. They've been told things like, uh, what their ancestors did is wrong, and they're racist, and all these lies. Nobody that I know ever kept slaves, and now you want, and now you want to take money, and give it to people that were never slaves, by people that never had slaves. It's insanity, but it's what the communists do. They tell lies, and they get people to believe those lies. How? They just keep saying them. And you know what? Then they take your kids, very impressionable, and they throw your kids at you. This is what they do. This is how they overcome countries. That's what they've done here. The only thing left now is a blood revolution. The political revolution has occurred. It started, I got to tell you, it started in the pulpit by their neglect. It started in the colleges. All these communists from the 60s and 70s that trained these kids up to reject everything good that their country ever stood for, 
and embrace socialism and communism. These people have been brainwashed and very effectively. And the biggest brainwash tool is that television sitting in your front room. Every way possible is brainwashing American people morally, educationally, and cause them to reject anything good that their country ever stood for by telling them and lying to them, saying it was wrong and it was bad and it was immoral. And, and, and making them helpless by going back to their roots. Every country in the world was taken from another country by force. Every one. What the United States should be judged by is all the good that it's done. And that is overwhelmingly, the evidence for that is overwhelming as far as spreading the gospel throughout the United States and feeding the entire world. The problem is these people that have been in control, they're a bunch of murderous scum, have invaded countries, have lied to the American people. They've just taken complete control of everything for the last 30 or 40 years. You can start out with the Bushes. You can start out you can start you can start with the Clintons, the Obamas, and now what's going on now is the the power has completely been taken away from the American people and given to this communist insurgents. The American people don't understand what they should believe. And we're the national leaders. There was one. And that was Donald Trump. And then look what happened. They worked everybody up like this for the last nine months. And then they stole the one thing that they could have. And that was their national election. They stole it. And the evidence that it was stolen, it can't be weighed because the system is so corrupt that it can't be addressed. So the only thing left is martial law. Now, the, the question is, where is that going to go? Who's going to have it? Who's going to use it? You see, all this is, this is new. This is unexplored territory here. The last time it was explored was under Abraham Lincoln. That was, uh, that was during the Civil War. And now it's getting, they're talking about enacting it today, and I think they are going to do that, but who's going to control it? Who's going to be in control of it? If this whole thing was a gigantic op against the American people, if it was, then the American people are going to lose their constitution, their rights, and they're going to lose their gun rights. They're going to be subjugated under communist slavery, and it's just that simple. So what we have to pray for as Christians is wisdom. Wisdom. Amen, Amen Don. Unfortunately, if we're under judgment, which most real Christians believe right now, this is not going to end well for the American people. The American people are going to be defeated and scattered, just like the, just like the, the Israeli people were. When they started doing what the American people have done as far as a murder of the innocent and it's embracing sodomy, the two things God hates the most, the American people have embraced as normal and will defend it, defend it, defend it anymore because that's what they believe. And because of that, God is not going to tolerate this anymore. He's going to do what he's always done historically. As Christians, we have to realize that. 
And then we have to realize where we're going to plug into this. Amen. Don, excellent. Once again, uh, just a a beautiful presentation release of what's happening. I appreciate that. Uh, Thank you for giving place. We have Jason is on the line right now. Don, I'm just going to put you on hold and and this way you could you could come back into the conversation as we go. Um, Let's bring Jason on to the line right now. So we want to say good morning. God bless you. Jason, welcome to the broadcast. How are you today? Hey, Vince, it's a pleasure to be with you, brother. My apologies for getting on here late today. It's been one of those mornings <laughs> that you probably can I relate bet. to. I bet. Well, Jason, uh, just for time's sake, I want to just uh, introduce you. I've shared uh, for a couple of days now that I met you down in Washington, D.C. Uh, you have been out and about for some time doing some incredible things within the nation. So uh, why don't you just introduce yourself and, and talk to us about this critical moment we're in right now. What are you seeing? Uh, what does it look like to you from your perspective? Boy, my goodness. Well, um, you know, I've been uh, involved in, uh, you know, I became a Christian at 19 years old out of a uh, you know, rebellious life, became kind of the prodigal son, coming back to the Lord at 19. And my, my dad was a pastor in New Orleans, and so uh, on the sort of cutting edge of a lot of these things, very strong, very bold pastor in, in New Orleans. And so I was plugged right into his early Christian po- uh, politics and street evangelism and um, pro-life ministry and all these things. And so I've been over 20 years, been involved in those sorts of ministries, been all over the country, and uh, work with the ministry Operation Save America, Rusty Thomas, and uh, I'm an assistant pastor up here in the Milwaukee area with my, uh, my father-in-law. Uh, Pastor Matt Chirella, who's been a longtime pro-life leader, activist, and uh, also is the author of a book called The Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrates, which is an excellent uh, analysis of of how we as Christians stand up against um, tyranny. And so that's been uh, sort of the drum we've been beating. And so I think as we're looking at what's going on around us, it's it's not uh, anything that I think has taken any thoughtful Christian by surprise. Uh, maybe just the, the, the depth of depravity that we see in operation, the depth of mass delusion that we see amongst not just, uh, you know, the mainstream culture, but certainly even within the church, within the pulpits, um, is astounding to me. And so, um, you know, I, I think that we're just continuing to head into a time of, of, of spiritual darkness. And so what is going to be the solution? What is going to be the antidote? You know, I don't know. How does this all fit into Trump's administration and what he's been doing? Again, there's so much uh, going on even right now these last 10 days. You're hearing so many different things, seeing so many different things. Um, the way the media has spun what took place in D.C., you know, is just incredible. Um, you know, I heard the gentleman talking about it previously. It is incredible to compare, you know, this to Pearl Harbor and to 9-11 and calling it the greatest insurgency and act of violence, you know. Um, just just utter nonsense. So the, the, the level of outright blatant lying propaganda uh, is, is really off the charts and it's just staggering to the American people. A large segment of the American people are buying it. So um, the most disappointing thing to me, I guess I've seen come out of that in recent days here is the amount of uh, Trump allies who have jumped ship from him. Um, folks are resigning from his administration like Betsy DeVos and others and, uh, in, in, and uh, people that just, uh, you know, who you thought would have stood by his side. Um, so I guess, you know, my thoughts in a nutshell, as far as, you know, what are we going to see in the next 10 days, uh, next two days, you know, are we going to see, uh, martial laws, the insurrection act being put forward? Are we going to see, you know, uh, bad guys getting arrested here, military tribunals? Um, I guess I'd have to say I'm a bit skeptical of that at this point. 
Um, I don't know if you've, how much of that you've discussed previously here and what your thoughts are on that, but I think that uh, Trump is somewhat of a beaten down in somewhat of a beaten down place right now. And uh, the enemies of, uh, of the constitution of this country of the gospel have seized on what happened at the Capitol to, to further try to put some nails in the coffin of the Trump administration and protect themselves, I think from, from investigation and, from uh, you know those who would seek to to root out their corruption, so I don't know where it's going to go. Quite honestly, I think that we have to fight. We have to be prepared to fight. And um, I don't know if civil war is the last option then, or if just uh, persecution and uh, resigning ourselves to martyrdom. You know, but uh, we will see. I suppose. I guess there's a lot we could discuss and debate along those lines. Uh, what do you think, Vince? What do you think is happening? Well, I spent the first hour talking on this broadcast about from a biblical lens. What I see, you know, Ezekiel chapter nine, a call for the six men with their slaughtering weapons to go and defile the, you know, the sanctuary and the greater defilement that I see rather than what happened on Wednesday, January 6th, about some patriots that are, you know, storming the Capitol that they've lied about completely, which we agree on. Uh, the greater defilement are the people that are in positions of power and there needs to be a cleansing. So I believe prophetically that God is going to release that cleansing. I think it's going to begin in the church. I think a lot of lukewarm believers are going to be, you know, exposed to the realities of our moment. And I believe it's going to continue on into our governmental uh, form of power. And I believe a, a, a nation divided cannot stand. I'm trusting what Jesus said. So I believe a collapse is coming to our society for 60 years of blasphemy, 60 years of shedding innocent blood, 60 years of promoting the things that God hates. So from that perspective, I, I see this coming to a culmination. And I heard this morning that there were 50 uh, prepared protests, armed protests that are coming to 50 capitals in the United States on January 20th. So you're hearing a lot of different information. I said that I, I in my knower, I believe the biblical narrative is that collapse is coming. My hope uh, as an individual is that Donald Trump will maintain his position of power in the United States. He will declare martial law. He will expose all the evil people. There will be military tribunals. But I stand in, my, in the depths of my heart, even though I, I, I'd love to see that happen, I don't believe that's going to happen. And I believe the reason why is it's part of the cleansing that has to take place and the biblical reality of a new world order coming to power to begin and commence a you know great tribulation period of time. And I don't think anybody's out of here in a preacher of rapture. And I think a lot of people are going to wake up and just a lot of information like that is my heart. But, um, you know, I want to I want to have the conversation. I want to know what are God's people? What are people supposed to do right now when you're coming so close to this powder keg blowing? What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I think that, you know, one obviously is building up our local communities. You know, I think that this battle is a local battle. And so, you know, um, the book, The Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrates that I referenced earlier, the basic theme of that book is this idea that in Western civilization, we have built upon the biblical foundation uh, that the law ultimately comes from God. God is the lawgiver, and there is no such thing as arbitrary humanistic law. That is that is valid. Um, so you know this idea has has uh, permeated Western society, and so the, the thinking from what Augustine said, Martin Luther King quoted this that an that an unjust law is no law at all. And so when governments, whoever they may be, operating in their God given role as magistrates, 
as uh, you know, ministers of God to execute uh, you know, wrath upon the evildoer to promote the good, as, as Paul articulates in Romans chapter 13, when they step outside their boundaries, their God-given boundaries and role, and they begin to promote evil and they begin to punish good, they abdicate their authority. They've stepped outside their authority, and they're, they are not to be obeyed. They're not to be submitted to. So there is, a, there is a biblical justification for resistance, proper resistance, to corrupt government. And so uh, at times what we've seen is sort of, uh, you know, peasant revolts and things of that nature where people have just been fed up with corruption and, and tyranny and lawless government officials imposing lawless uh, rule on them. And so they have fought back and there's been revolutions and various things. Now, the, the biblical model that I think is best suited to that is that we as a law and order sort of people, um, recognizing the value of good government and the rightful place of good government, as a God-ordained institution, we would say that it falls upon lower lower civil magistrates who possess God-given authority to fight back and push back against higher civil authorities who are corrupt. So in this situation that we're living in presently, we fall on governors, sheriffs, uh, you know, state leaders, state legislators to push back against what's happening in Washington, D.C., and then for the people, God's people, to rally behind good, godly magistrates, prod them forward, but also rally with them and support them as they stand up against tyranny. So, um, you know, I think I think that uh, the, you know a lot of us are very frustrated and, and, and ready to do, you know, to, to do what needs to be done, and to stand up and say we're ready to fight, we're ready to fight back. If that means uh, civil war, then or revolution, then uh, you know, then maybe we need to begin to organize towards that end. Um, and indeed, many I know already have been and are organized towards that end. Um, but you know that needs to be done as led by the Spirit of God, and not in a mob mentality, or not in, an, in a you know a spirit of anarchy. And so, I think that, that what we've been working towards and hoping to build is good local government around the country in various local regions, where where resistance can be based upon you know the upholding of existing. Uh, you know, institutions of power that I would say are, are God-ordained. So, again, you know, I'd love to see uh, governors stand up against what's happening in D.C. Uh, I wish that there had been states, you know, that would have uh, would have stood up against the election fraud and stood up against some of these things. You know, some tried to, you know, 21 states that, uh, that um, filed suit that went to the Supreme Court and, of course, was just, was just thrown out uh, uh, on the basis that they didn't have standing. And the evidence in the case was never examined. So, um, you know, but then that was sort of the end of it. You know, the, the states didn't really push back any further. Um, you know, the five states, I think, that have been in question here, um, what, how many of them have Republican legislatures? I think at least four, correct, if not all five. And so, you know, I know our state, Wisconsin, we have a Republican-controlled legislature, and they just kicked the can to our Republican state Supreme Court, our Republican state Supreme Court, uh, would have, except our, our one of our conservative Christian justices uh, sided with the liberals and threw Trump's case out without even hearing the evidence on essentially a technicality. And um, so, you know, so you know, th- this is this is where our hope, I think, would have lied: is that states um, who certainly are more accountable to the people than than the folks we send off to Washington D.C. who are thousands of miles away 
and uh, in, in you know, I mean, to, to to win a state representative race, for example, you know, you can raise a hundred thousand dollars, and you can uh, get yourself elected to a state representative seat with some hard work and and uh, some good campaign work and some good people behind you. You know, to win a, a congressional seat, you know, you're talking about now a million plus, and in Senate races now, of course, we're seeing astronomical to people running for U.S. Senate. I think what was spent in those Georgia Senate races, I haven't even heard the numbers, but the Arizona Senate, Senate races, over $10 million were spent in those Senate races. So, um, you know, you're talking about people who, you know, as people move up the, 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 move up the, the levels of power, they move up the rung, they become, it seems, more and more corrupt. And uh, there's just such a tremendous amount of wealth and power that I think uh, Washington, D.C. is just drunk on. And so when we send good men up there, they just seem to become corrupted almost invariably. We've been watching it for over 20 years. So, you know, we've been pushing for a strategy of, of, uh, of working at the local level, not wasting too much of our time and money and energy and fighting national fights, um, but, but trying to really, you know, get control of our counties, get control of uh, regions within our state and hopefully get control of some of our states where we can then begin to push back and facilitate in, in uh, working through the existing political institutions that we have where there is order. And we're not just fomenting a peasant's revolt, uh, if that makes sense. So, you know, I think that's what we've been advocating for the last 10 years or so. And, and, and um, unfortunately, here in Wisconsin, I can't say we've made a ton of progress. <laughs> but there are certainly places around the country where, where you know, the vast majority are very conservative and uh, very like-minded with us, and, and they see the corruption. And they're feeling disenfranchised. And so I think the fight needs to be at the local level. You know, um, I tell Christians all the time around the country, do you know who your sheriff is? Do you know who your your town council, your city council, um, your state representative, your state senator? Do you know who these people are? Do they know who you are, more importantly, right? Uh, every pastor ought to be known, you know, by his local leaders and should be able to get on the phone with them. And if they're not doing good, then the, he should be a, a thorn in their side and uh, be able to pick up the phone and say, hey, what are you doing? Why did you support that? You know, are you going to push back against us? You know, we're watching, you know. And, um, you know, I think that that's, that's where we've got to pick the fight. And, uh, and you know, sheriffs, um, you know, uh, city councilmen, um, you know, county boards, you know, they have duly given authority to say no to unlawful, unconstitutional, uh, you know, um, rulings and opinions and whatever the case may be by our federal government, you know, and so th- there's just this need for them to push back. And so I think, you know, maybe that's the place where resistance will come, where uh, some semblance of freedom and liberty will be maintained, you know, locally within various geographical regions of the country. You know, but that's, I guess, again, predicated on the church standing up, people standing up and be- being willing to fight, and, you know, that may lead to armed standoffs between local citizens standing with their county sheriffs and state representatives against federal agents coming in, maybe to confiscate firearms or to arrest uh, citizens on trumped-up charges, you know, whatever these things may be. I think under the Biden administration, we'll probably begin to see some of these things come down heavy on uh, Trump supporters and people like us who've been outspoken. Uh, where we're going to be a, a primary target, um, a cracking down against militia groups, cracking down against gun owners in an attempt to uh, emasculate gun owners of our of our Second Amendment further than it's already been emasculated. Um, so, um, yeah, and I guess the last thing I'd say on that is I would say that what is needed for all this is a is a deep, overwhelming spirit of repentance to uh, to come over God's people for the evil of our country, and. Um, for our hearts to be broken and then move to action. And, um, you know, I think apart from that, we're, we're in trouble. So 
So, Jason, it, it, it seems like here, here's the feeling, and I could be totally wrong about that. It just seems like the attempt to gather the sheriffs and gather under local authority. It seems like so many people have capitulated already. So many people have already abandoned, you know, their willingness to stand up against big government. So when does it get to a point? And, and, I, and I don't say this as a fairy tale. But as a reality, when does it get to that moment where the Declaration of Independence, we the people do recognize uh, this corruption in the halls of power and seeing that, you know, there aren't the lower officials doing anything? When do the people actually do what the Declaration of Independence said to do? Are we coming to January 20th to see that happen? Is this the moment for that? How does that actually look from your perspective? Well, you know, I think that that that, that was uh, many years in the making for the Patriots, you know, um, and uh, a lot of contentious meetings and debates. And, uh, you know, those guys were all over the board. You know, there was a lot of disagreement. You know, you had, of course, Benjamin Franklin, a, a rabid anti, an anti-slavery guy, an abolitionist, forming abolitionist societies who had to partner with Thomas Jefferson, who ran, who ran a slave plantation, you know, so... Um, you know, that, that was quite a uh, precarious deal. You know, those guys spent uh, years, you know, moving that direction, organizing, thinking deeply and building um, what they did. So, you know, I, I think we certainly um, for a long time have been, uh, you know, that, that conversation has been deserving and warranted. And I, and I know there are a lot of people who have been having those conversations, but um you know, I think that for a long time, people have felt like they could work through the mainstream and, and for, you know, good leaders, you know, it's, you know, they, they too often are just co-opted in, into the system. Most of those guys, you know, were elected officials. Most of those guys had, you know, speaking of our founding fathers, they had uh, positions of authority in the government already. And so they used and leveraged that political authority they already possessed to say, hey, let's call for, you know, of course, what ultimately led to like, the Constitutional Convention and some of these kinds of things. So, um, you know, I, I just, I don't see, um, I think it's going to take some guys who have, you know, certainly more influence and more of a voice and more political influence than, you know, than guys like you and I, right? I mean, we would need people like maybe say Rand Paul and Ted Cruz, people like, uh, you know, some of the good guys in our, in our, um, state, you know, in, you know, congressmen, but then, you know, prominent state legislators and maybe even governors, you know, to come forward and say, you know, hey, we need to have a serious conversation about, you know, I've, you know, I've heard Alan West recently talk about secession in Texas, you know, if, you know, but, but, you know, tough rhetoric and strong rhetoric is one thing, you know, I've heard strong rhetoric, I'm sure you've heard strong rhetoric for many years, sure. and then it's not followed up by substantive action. So, you know, I think we would take some guys like that who have a lot of influence, you know, uh, to pull together a coalition of thoughtful, influential guys to come together and say, all right, we need to begin this process of disassociating from what we, what, what is Washington DC and the power structure, the corrupt cesspool that is Washington DC and reorganize and reconstitute our own government and our own local governments. And, uh, you know, whether that emerges as a coalition of States or, you know, I'm not sure how, you know, what exactly, how exactly that would come out, but, um, you know, certainly I would say, uh, those actions are absolutely warranted. You know, at a certain, you know, we're at a point where I don't know, I don't know how any thoughtful American can 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 say that what we have in Washington D.C. is at all legitimate. And and as you know, as if Biden takes takes the reins and as a, as a Biden Harris administration, you know, having foisted a fake pandemic upon the nation, 
which, you know, I'm not saying the coronavirus is not a real virus, but certainly what the government has done in exaggerating it immensely to coercively shut down businesses, to coercively expand governmental powers over our health decisions, masking the entire population, um, you know, symbolizing to me, you know, the muzzling of the American people, the muzzling of our voice, and uh, and the, the the defacing, the defacing of uh, of human beings, the the dehumanizing of of the citizenry, you know, by masking the population under false pretenses and a mass delusion, uh, and all that, of course, was used to change voter laws in key states to enable massive voter fraud and the stealing of an election. And, uh, and then have the media complicit, the media lie through their teeth day in and day out. And now big tech companies working in conjunction with uh, seemingly one political party to destroy their political opposition and even to deplatform a sitting president is just unprecedented in our nation's history. And so, you know, we don't have law. We don't have the rule of law operating in our country right now. You know, for those who are law and order, you know, um, you know, preserving what you know, preserving the status quo is not preserving law and order. What we have in Washington D.C. is absolutely a cesspool of lawlessness, and it's just growing in, in its magnitude exponentially. You know, <laughs> by the day. So you know, certainly I think um, extreme measures are warranted. You know, um, what they are, whether that's you know outright revolution. Um, certainly is a conversation, certainly is on the table in my mind, you know, and, and, and it may kick off whether we want it to or not, you know, and, uh, uh, there's probably groups out there that are, that are preparing to take action into their own hands. And I don't know what that's going to look like and what the effectiveness of that might be, but I certainly think that there's, there are millions of very angry people out there and, uh, you know, there's a powder keg that's ready to, to go. So, um, so yeah, so I guess I, I think, you know, there's a, there's there's a huge need for for people like us to use our influence to push on. I would say, you know, some of our senators and some of our congressmen and some of our local lo- officials who really have some more influence and say, hey, this is the conversation that needs to be had. You know, and to have those conversations and push those conversations and prod, you know, our magistrates if they if they don't feel that the people are behind them, you know, then they're not going to take that course of action. You know, they're not going to p- commit uh, political suicide, if you will. So it's important that we we rally our folks to get stand behind good men in political office who are willing to, to take on those fights and, and and to push them forward to take on even stronger fights right so um, okay. but I think a lot of people are certainly feeling as though the, the you know our, the soapbox has been muzzled you know being deplatformed being silenced being censored and the uh, the ballot box is being stripped out of our hands. You know, when you take the you take the soap box and you take the ballot box away from people, then you leave them one one box, and that's the ammo box to preserve their freedom and to protect their families. And so, yeah, I mean, I think we are very quickly heading in that direction. And one could argue that there's actually people that want you know, that. There's been actually a whole lot of propaganda that's been foisted on the American people to push us towards a civil war. You know, so again, that's a whole other dynamic to this discussion, but. Absolutely. And it's a conversation we need to have. I just want to real quick invite Don into, uh, you know, he's been listening. He's a dear friend of ours. Uh, Don, you're listening to Jason. Any thoughts about what you're hearing right now? I really like Jason. Uh, He's got a level head and uh, he's very intelligent. 
and uh, I can see he has a firm grasp on it. Uh, it realistically speaking, according to the Constitution, the only thing we have left now is the Second Amendment because the ballot box has failed and our courts have failed us. They're too corrupt. And our forefathers knew this was going to happen, so they gave us the Second Amendment. And they said it will not be infringed. Well, this is exactly why it cannot be infringed. Because if the people cannot control the government and overcome the corruption, this type of corruption, progressive corruption, if they can't overcome it, then they will lose all of their freedoms. So the Second Amendment force or violence is, I keep hearing the word violence. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. well, the, the people that get in control, uh, if they embrace this and they have embraced this communist form of government, you're going to see some violence then. All you need to do is go to Europe around the 1930s. They killed millions. Millions simply because they won't submit to communism. They'll do that here, and they plan on doing it. And what's interesting is they're telling you they're going to do it. They're that bold. Mm-hmm. So the only thing left yeah. to do is defend yourself in arms. And if everybody, uh, you know, it's just like in Iraq, you know, they, we've never been able to take Baghdad. And the reason being is all the people would get up on the roofs of the uh, buildings and hundreds hundreds of AKs would go off and they'd shoot down all these uh, Cobra gunships and they say everything we have they can shoot down just by mere force of arms and so what we did is we built a green zone inside Baghdad and we control that but as far as the city we couldn't take it and when we would pick up these uh, uh, these patriots that uh, they, you know, they we had invaded their country for their oil. When we would pick them up, we'd say, uh, we'd pick up three or four of them, and we'd say, why are you fighting us? And they'd say, well, because you killed my father, you killed my mother, you killed my my children. Well, who's controlling you? Who, nobody. What do you mean? You don't have a leader? No, it's just my family. And see, that's what it's going to come down here. Hundreds of thousands of families are going to be fighting these uh, these intruders, these invading armies, these police state thugs, whatever they're going to send at us, however you want to call it, they're going to have to be repelled by families of fighters. And if we do that, it'll be bloody, but we will win eventually because they'll just get tired of sending people at us because we're fighting for our country now. This isn't Vietnam Iraq, we're fighting for our country. So, like I said, the only thing left now is the Second Amen. Amendment. I, I shudder to see it or to dwell on it because uh, I don't want to see it happen. But, you know, it's like surgery, right? You don't want to go into surgery because you have cancer, you got a big tumor. Well, you're going to have to go in and get it cut out. We got to cut these people out because they are a cancer, a communist, red Chinese cancer that has to be cut out from the body. It's just right, that God. simple. All right, very Amen. good. Uh, J- 
just real quick, Jason, your final thoughts before we have to get rolling today. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with Don. And I think we are being pushed where all we have is the Second Amendment. And so um, that doesn't mean that my guns are collecting dust in the closet. I would add to what that means if we're going to say, hey, all we have left is the Second Amendment and, of course, faith in God. And uh, that, that means that we need to be training. We need to be getting our Christian brethren around us out, you know, into the fields and, and practicing, training, getting ready. Because, uh, you know, if I am going to say, well, I have to defend myself in a fight, then I better learn how to fight, better figure out how to fight effectively. And so, you know, I would strongly encourage, and I have been, of course, strongly encouraging my brethren all over the country to uh, get together with good men, find a good community of men, and begin to train, begin to prepare yourself, you know, accumulate gear and resources so that you are not in a position of weakness, but in a position of strength so that you have a group of men who know how to fight together and are training and preparing for that. You know, this is what, of course, Samuel Adams wrote out to, to Jonas Clark in Lexington, Pastor Jonas Clark, and said, you know, hey, will the men of Lexington fight? And Pastor Jonas Clark said, yes, they will, for I have prepared and trained them for this very hour. And uh, the men at Lexington, Jonas Clark, would, uh, would go out after their Sunday services. They'd take the men out. And they would do shooting drills and run formation drills, and they'd exercise in those ways. And they were preparing for war because they saw war on the horizon, and they weren't going to sit idly by and allow their, their nation and their people to be destroyed and their freedoms to be stripped from them. And so you know, I think that as Christian men, we need to be prepared to do this, be training, be getting involved with good men, building your local community in this way, networking with other men around the country who are doing the same because I think it will come to that. It will come, you know, if we keep going down this road, a fight will come. And it may not be Christian people that start it, um, but I think it will start. And uh, bullets will begin to fly. Blood will begin to fill our streets. And so uh, we need to make clear where we're at and that, if that, when that happens. And so um, if we think of the Civil War, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, I think we need a, re a revival before we're ready for a revolution. But if you think about the Civil War and even in the Revolutionary War, certainly there was revivals that preceded it preceded both those wars, but there were also great revivals that came when war started. You know, war actually brought a great humbling, and in one sense was a form of God's judgment on his people, and that it brought about tremendous devastation, tremendous hardship, the stripping away of the, 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 the luxuries that were previously a part of the time of peace, and it brought people to their knees, and it brought people to the time of prayer and, and reconciliation with God. And so, you know, revival swept across the camps in both the North and the South during the war, after the war started. And so, you know, maybe that is going to be a, a means which God uses to bring about not just uh, an exercising of his judgment upon our nation, um, but a humbling of his people and a purification of his people. And hopefully we can pray ultimately uh, the preservation of our freedom and liberty in some capacity. So, uh, yay and amen to that. Amen. And judgment has always been designed by God to bring people back to him and closer to him. So we totally agree with that. What an amazing moment. Um, you know, Don, you just heard uh, Jason talking about the need for training. I know that you've been uh, involved in that type of thing. What an interesting time to get people really, you know, focused on doing such a thing. Yeah, now now's the time right now. No, it doesn't time. take a lot of training. It doesn't take a lot of training, really, because you're probably going to be fighting within 200 yards, as most armies do. But you need to uh, you need to be familiar with your rifle. Uh, you need to have adequate supply of uh, ammunition and magazines, because you're not going to be able to just find that. Uh, they're going to cut that off. 
and you need to uh, just practice small unit tactics because that's the way you're going to be fighting. Fight, train the way you're going to fight. Yeah, Don, isn't it and, true? In uh, Jason, uh, you know, isn't it true that the victor in a battle, it kind of, you, you get an advantage when you're fighting for the right cause. I mean, if your cause is righteous, I mean, King David goes out against uh, little boy David, shepherd David goes out against Goliath because is there not a cause? And his cause was righteous. And so while people are training, they need to really be instilled upon that their internal uh, relationship with God the Father, his son Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is a very genuine relationship. And it is a cause to stand up and to push back on the demonic spiritually and in every other way, just to allow for my, my little granddaughter is two years old. Athena Grace turned two years old yesterday, and she's living in a little place in California uh, where they're putting all these mandates and laws and all these different things. And to think about violent people running through that part of the country uh, in the last nine months and with, you know, thank God she was young and she was protected and preserved. Um, but everybody's got family. Jason, you've got nine kids in your family. I mean, there are people everywhere uh, that are needing to really protect from the ideological, the, the, the agendas, the satanic, the demonic, the physical. Um, and, and, and so very soon there will be no real communication that people could have except for what's in their immediate area. So just a very important time. And Jason, Don, uh, I'll give you, you know, we have have a moment. Any final words before we go today? And I'll, Jason, I'll start with you. I would say be in a, in a deep spirit of prayer. Walk close to the Lord. Keep building your community and your network around you. Don't get isolated. Don't go into isolation. you got to be around a good community where resources can be shared. And most importantly, I'd say in addition to that is to do not fear. Scripture admonishes us over and over and over again. Don't fear your enemies. Just reading about Gideon in the book of Judges, and they, you know, they sent home anybody who was afraid. If you were faint-hearted, go off the battlefield, go home. And so this is a time where our courage is going to be tested, and I just would encourage everybody, do not fear. Drive fear far from your heart. Stand up and be courageous, for God fights with us. Amen. 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 Very good. Don, a final word before we go. Well, I like that David and Goliath thing because uh, David announced why he was there to Goliath. He announced who he represented, Most High God, and he announced exactly what he was going to do. And because of that, I believe that's how that rock got delivered to that big Nephilim's head right between the eyes. I don't think, I don't, I don't think David was that good. And then he had more rocks for this guy's brothers. Well, they never did show up. So, yeah, exactly. But the Lord delivered that rock, just like the Lord delivered David. And the same way the Lord's going to deliver us as long as we put God first. Amen. He'll, he'll, tell what, he'll show us what to do. Amen. And we'll be Amen. back on the air to talk more about it. But, gentlemen, I want to thank you for joining me. There's a, a man right now that's called in. He's a ex-Vietnam veteran police officer from the Bronx. Uh, Pastor Ken, do you have a word for these men that you're listening to right now? Uh, 
I guess not. Okay. So we'll go ahead and wait on that. Jason, thank you for joining us today. I hope you'll continue to talk into our broadcast. A lot of people listening to you today. Thank you for your articulation, your godly Holy Spirit. I was in a meeting 25 years ago with Patriots, and their conduct was, I told them before they kicked me out of the house, I said, if you go into battle with this kind of a spirit, you're doomed and the blood of millions will be on your hand. I hear a totally different spirit coming through you, and I appreciate, value you. God bless you and your journey. And um, if there's anything we need to know about these coming days, please let us know. And Don, as always, thanks for joining in on the broadcast. You're welcome. Thank you, brother. All right. God bless you both. Shalom. And to all of our friends out there that are tuned in today, we're going to say goodbye. Remember, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There is a roundtable discussion going on on OmegaRadio.org. Patricia Joy Xavier, my wife who wrote the book Deliverance, the Christian Bill of Rights, is conducting a roundtable discussion on spiritual warfare. How big is spiritual warfare in these battles? You need the intelligence of God. You need the wisdom of God, the truth of God, the light of God, the direction of God. And without spiritual warfare, there could be no victory in this natural world. So stay connected. Omega Radio, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, a roundtable discussion. I'm Pastor Vince. It was just beautiful to be with all of you today. We'll look forward to hearing your comments. We'll see you tomorrow, Lord willing, with our dear brother, Daniel Seckham, all the way from Australia. Until then, shalom and God bless you.